Welcome to the Root of Power podcast, where I teach you how to chase your joy, find alignment, and create a life and a business that you love using actionable methods, interviews, and inspiring stories from people who know that true freedom is found within. I'm your host, your always hype woman and sometimes ass kicker, Amanda Chills, and I am so proud of you for choosing to step into your power. Come along, we've got dreams to build. podcast fam oh my god I hope you guys and gals and in-betweens are thriving I like hope that you're killing the game right now I wanted to remind you that I have a really dope membership for people who want to up level their life my friend Caitlin Overby and I run it you get a monthly training on whatever is going to be useful. We have done visualizing your dreams. We had my friend Hannah, who is a wellness chef, come on and walk us through this like really gorgeous pesto, roasted artichoke pesto made from scratch meal. We have done a training on self-massage and we are just getting started. So if you want a community of people who are going to support you to live your best life, head over to livemyhappyhealth.com and check out the best damn life community. All right, let's party. Okay. Hello, 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 Root of Power fam. We are here with Sarah, who y'all are going to straight up be obsessed with because not only is she just has such a good energy, <laughs> right? Like flip that hair. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> has such a good energy. She is no bullshit. She's like, I'm going to hold your hand, but also kick you in the pants. And so That's we're doing true. both. It's a very well-rounded, um, love circle. So she is a toxic relationship specialist. So she helps women who have come out of a toxic relationship and they're like, well, shit. Now, what do I do? Like, how do I rebuild my life? So that's really where she comes in. And I will tell you, it is such, such a need. So thank goodness you are doing this work. So Welcome. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And in my book, I call it a toxic person encounter because we kind of get this, we put like toxic romantic relationships in this really crazy category of like broken, codependent, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is we all have toxic relationships. Even if you're in a in a great marriage, which I am now in, you know, I still have to deal with people with personality disorders, people with boundary issues, people yeah. with uh, they are just assholes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a great book called the asshole survival guide, uh, for people at dealing with toxic people at work. Um, but yeah, so, uh, my book, shameless plug, becoming toxic person proof. Girl, give it to us. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm, I'm humbled by the reviews and really, really happy with the feedback wow. I'm getting on it. And it's basically how to clear the confusion and learn to trust yourself. If you've had a toxic parent, partner, coworker, friend, and we all have, we, we, we all have. It's yeah. so necessary. And I think, and this is something I talk to a lot of women about, we're conditioned, like women yeah. are conditioned from the time that we're born to cater to everyone. So not only is it like a safety thing, right? Men are literally bigger and stronger than us. It's such a conditioning thing. And I work with so many women who, you know, we're working on boundaries. We're working on how to say them, what to do. And they just say, Oh my God, I could never imagine saying something like that. When what I'm teaching them to say is 
the way that you're speaking to me isn't appropriate. Please stop yelling. Uh-huh. Like, oh my God, I could never. And I'm just like, this is, it's such a freaking virus. Like it's so ingrained to be nice, to be polite, but polite looks like self-sacrifice and self-betrayal. And I'm sure, I mean, you must see it all the time. And something that has really like pierced through the darkness of that conversation is taking on an identity of someone who does not help others become worst versions of themselves. Okay. Right. So if in a faith-based contest, this may look like I don't want people to become better sinners, or I don't want people to become more selfish, or I don't want to help spread darkness into the world. Right. And when, you know, just like, um, this is an easy connotation, right? So if someone, those like old, like 600 pound life shows, Mm -hmm. like, ever seen my 600 pound life. Okay. So someone is bringing them the fried chicken and the milkshakes, right? Like for them, if they are in the bed, they are at such a place in their health that they are stuck in the bed and someone has to bring them food. There is nothing kind or nice about the person bringing them unhealthy food. That's going to give them a heart attack, right? There's nothing nice about that. And if someone's addiction is selfishness, if someone's addiction is anger, if someone's addiction shows up in a personality trait rather than fried chicken or cocaine, right? Then, (laughs) you know, there's, there's nothing nice about like, you know what? I am the type of, and I'm going to say it and it's going to be silly. I'm the type of person who helps others emotionally vomit on me and helps them. Like I, I help show them that their anger is okay. And I help show them that their selfishness is okay. And I help show them that their abuse is okay. And I help show them that their cheating is okay. And I help show them that the way to mistreat people is how they are treating me. Like I, I love being the type of person who helps them learn to better mistreat people. Of course, we don't say that in our heads. That's a call out if I've ever heard one. And I love it. And and it, it really creates that shift out of nice and polite. Because we want to be nice. Well, there's nothing nice about helping people become worse versions of themselves. There's nothing nice about that. And I'll tell you the big difference. I actually hate the word nice. I hate Mm -hmm. it. I don't give a shit about it. I wish it would be sent to the farthest reaches of this galaxy. Because I have only ever, and I'm 31 years old, and I deal with a lot of people who struggle with boundaries and self-care and speaking up and all those things. I have never heard anyone use nice as a term other than a doormat. I've never heard someone say, well, I just want to be nice. Mm -hmm. One, they either use it to describe someone who has no good traits. Well, they're nice. Well, they're not. That's what you say when you have nothing else to say. Mm -hmm. And also they always use that as an excuse to not hold boundaries. And it's such a difference between nice and kind. And I think it's something a lot of people don't talk about. So yeah, that seemed to resonate. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was going to say. And using the word kind is a higher calling. Mm -hmm. Nice is the other person gets to define what that means. And it's usually you're a doormat. Yes. It's like, well, you're not being nice to me because I want to yell at you Mm -hmm. and you not notice or you not, you're not, you're not letting me, you're not letting me mistreat you. And so you're not nice enough. 
Yes, yes. And again, going back to that identity of a higher calling of self-integrity um, and, and that word self-integrity has gotten a lot more momentum for women mm-hmm. than um, just like I deserve better. Yeah. Right. Because we talked about this when you were on my podcast, mm-hmm. but sometimes there's a, I deserve better can be a really long bridge to cross, right? We talk about affirmation sometimes being a long bridge to cross. If we can find shorter bridges to cross, right? So I deserve better. Oh, there's a lot of self-work to like step into what you deserve. And there's some, there's so much social conditioning of selfishness attached to that statement. Yep. Okay. But I am, I, I, it does not align with my integrity to spread darkness into the world and help you become a worse version of you. That's a shorter bridge to cross. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that is. And then you can start solving the right problem, which is like, ooh, I feel uncomfortable stepping into that integrity. Right. I and I don't know how to speak up. I don't know how to set boundaries. I've been yeah. taught that my ultimate goal in life is to be a martyr, is yeah. to always self-sacrifice. That is really the problem. So you are so spot on the money, like loving it. Keep going. Yes. Well, and I think I have a daughter, right? Mm-hmm. And so with that martyr motherhood, mm-hmm. okay, the martyr motherhood, I really, really thought long and hard, like, okay, she's going to become who I show her to be not who I say her to be. I'm using right. a phrase with two right. S's on it, but who I show, not who I say. And when I think about looking her in the face, she is so powerful. She's so competitive. She so loves to challenge herself, loves to put herself out there. She's literally the most confident child right. I have ever seen. And I laugh, like, she's literally the most confident person on the planet. Um, and, you know, if I play the martyr and I say what being a nice person, nice person means is um, you don't count. Mm. Now, right now, when I take her to activities, when I make sure she has rest, when I make sure she has exercise, when I make sure she has healthy food, like being a good parent, make sure she mm-hmm. goes to the doctor, right? I'm telling her she counts. Right. At what point, if, if, I, if my belief system is that as an adult woman, I don't count, but as a, as a young child, you do count. There's a real inconsistency in that. Yeah. And when I have to look at her and say, at what point do you expire? Is it when you have sex? Wow. Is it when you get married? Is it when you start dating? Wow. Is it when you have children? At what point do you expire and you stop counting? I just got chills. Like, holy shit. But when you explain it that way, it's like, then we need to just all be honest and say, okay, I have a son too. My son, you don't expire. My daughter, you do expire. Let's just call it like it is. When you say that, it's like, wow, that's horrible. And it's like, yeah, it is. Yep. Let's say what's actually happening that, you know, so many women are telling themselves that they, they expired at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if, you're going to expire at some point, you probably think, gosh, it'd be, and it would, it would be like literally terrible. If I looked my daughter in the face and said, I hope you enjoy this now. Cause at some point you're going to expire. At some point, terrible. your life doesn't belong to you. Yes. Which is yes. what happens when, when you get into these toxic relationship patterns and you self-sacrifice and you self-betray your whole life. And I work with women in their sixties. Yeah. Okay. 
their whole life. Mm-hmm. Their whole life has belonged to their partner. Yeah. They don't, their house doesn't look the way they want. They're not allowed to decorate. They're not allowed to do things they want. They don't have friends. Not that those things are explicitly implied. And this may be something we can discuss. Like not everything is a statement. You're not allowed to have friends. You can't decorate this house. But what toxic people will do is they'll make it too difficult to do those things. They'll throw a tantrum. They'll threaten you, even if it's not explicit. They'll take away freedoms. They'll, They'll give you really harsh consequences. So over time- It's never, they train you. you. And so then they also get to turn around and say, well, I never said that. I never said you can't have friends. I just said all your friends hate you and they're against you. Yeah. And so when people ask me, how do you define a toxic relationship? I I try to steer away from the A word, which is abuse. Right. And I, I giggle a bit that we talk about um, domestic abuse awareness because it's, it's like, which is a terrible thing to giggle about, but but hear me out. It's you like, know, yeah. Oh, did we do we need an awareness campaign to know you shouldn't hit other people? Like, really? Did that take an awareness campaign that we yeah. like? Do we not know that? Like, right. you know. But when you talk about like abuse, especially physical violence, okay, domestic violence, that's like only talking about cancer in its fourth stages. Mm. And we would be really losing the war against cancer if it was like ignore, pretend it's not happening, pretend it's not happening. Stage four cancer, ah, everyone's dying. That would be a terrible strategy to manage cancer. And that's the same strategy we're using in toxic relationships. You're so right. Yeah. When it gets to stage four, then you can get out. Then you can get help. Then we help you. Then we take you seriously. You know, and it's only that stage four concept. And we're not teaching society about those precancerous cells. And that's where you start preventing toxic relationships, teaching our kids those precancerous cells. Okay. So going back to those precancerous cells and your, your analogy, a toxic relationship is one where one person makes the rules. One person sets the rules. One person enforces the rules. Mm. One person changes the rules and the other person's job is to follow the rules. Okay. That the house example was great. Right. So they don't, they don't say the rules. No one says the rules. I get to use everything. Right. But it's this, um, punish you when you break them. Yes. And uh, there was a, there's a book I'm reading right now called the new husband. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but so this girl, he's looking, this guy, he's looking in the magazine and he goes, Oh, your hair would look so good like this. And she goes, no, I really like my long hair. I don't want to cut my hair. And that night when they were having sex, he couldn't have sex with her. He was like, sorry, I'm just tired. But she felt ugly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next day she goes and gets her hair cut. And then they okay? have sex. Yeah. Well, then she didn't get it like he wanted. Cause she was trying to like stay in her own power and stuff. She's like, well, I'll cut it kind of like he wants. Mm. So then everyone else was like, gosh, your hair looks so amazing. You look so great. And he saw her and he went, oh, I mean, I don't, I mean, it looks great. Of course, I don't mean to say it doesn't. I just thought you were going to get your side shorter. Mm. So then, of course, the next, but when you, it's your hair. You do what you want. You know, I'm just right. I never told you to cut it that way. I didn't make you cut your hair. Well, the unspoken rule, remember somebody setting the rules is I'm not attracted to you unless you have your hair like that. Right. Okay. 
But here's why the conversation about red flags is so important because it is not enough to go Google a list of red flags. Right. I used to have bangs. My husband prefers me without bangs. I had bangs the first, gosh, four years of our relationship. Um, And then during COVID, I couldn't get my hair cut. And so my bangs grew out. So now I don't have bangs. And he's like, oh, hair without bangs. To say, hey, a a man having preference about your hair is a red flag is insane. And it misses the nuance because to every single one of these behaviors, there's a spectrum where it's, hey, like, I really, I really like your bangs. Um, Or I really wish you would get bangs again. You're like, yeah, it's not really my thing. And they're like, all right. Yeah, you're right. 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 It misses the nuance. And so, so you're so right. A lot of women will Google red flags. And here's the other thing I see all the time. They already know. Oh, yeah. In my book. If you're Googling red flags, girl, you know what they are. They don't want to admit it. So, one of the things I do with the women I work with, and it's harsh, and I mean it to be harsh, Mm -hmm. is I call things what they are. I say, Uh, this is abuse. This is abuse. This is a controlling behavior. And I make them go through this exercise where they categorize every single one of their partner's behaviors as how does this keep control for them? How -hmm. does this keep control for them? Every single behavior. And then they start seeing the patterns. And so then Mm -hmm. when I ask, why are we staying? Which is so different, right? That's such a damaging question when you don't have the understanding that someone who's trained like you and I have, they say, well, why do you stay? It's shame filled. Yeah. I'm trying to get to the answer. You're trying to get to the answer. So, you know, caveat, don't just ask people why they're staying when they're in an imbalanced relationship. But when we start filtering things is how does this keep control for them? How does this control you? How does this put up a maze for you that now you have to spend so much energy running through? You don't have any mm-hmm. energy to think about the consequences of the relationship that you're in. Yeah. Well, and, and another nuance is, is this okay for everyone or just okay for you? Mm. Right. Because if your best friend was putting up with this behavior, would that be okay that she's treated this way? Is it okay for everyone to be treated this way or just for you to be treated this way? And when they, you know, answering very honestly, well, it's just okay for me to be treated this way. What? Right. Right. What? What? No. Start to. And if someone is in a, we have the question all the time. My daughter, my cousin, my whatever, my sister, my whatever is in a toxic relationship. How do I get her to leave. Good question. What's the answer? Yeah. So it is all these little components of anything, 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 anything within toxic relationships can be solved with critical thinking skills. Critically thinking about your own life, critically thinking about relationships, critically thinking about what's happening. Okay. And it's like, Oh, is this, that's right. I I don't want my daughter to expire. Oh, I, I shouldn't expire. Oh, I, I have a different set of rules. Like if it was happening to my best friend, it wouldn't be okay, but it's happening to me. So it is okay. Well, that, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Right. And thinking about those critically, critically thinking about your own life is how you get out because within toxic relationships, they make the rules, they set the rules and you're not critically thinking about the rules. You're, you're spending all your energy trying to be nice. And trying to survive because What happens in a toxic relationship is not just the presence of a threat, it's the absence of safety. And so when, when someone takes your safety away and it doesn't start big, right? It always starts so small. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about this after like the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment that these women feel. 
But when they take away your safety, all you know is survival mode. So like if you're running from a bear, you're definitely not like, hmm, what am I, what do I want my career goals to look like? You don't have any because you're running from a bear. You're running for your life. And that's what these rules are for to say, this is a threat. This is a threat, danger, danger, danger. So you literally don't have the room to critically think because your body is running 24 seven. You're so fucking tired that you quite literally, you don't have the room. Mm-hmm. So how do you, um, how do you get women to the space where they can even think critically? Ha! First of all, some of the things that I said, you know, starting um, a letter to your best friend, writing a letter to your best friend as, as if she was in the so- situation you were in. Good one. Okay. Because if she, again, if she was being treated like this, it would be terrible. Right. If you're being treated like this for some reason, it's okay. That is absolutely right. the first thing right. I would say. Okay. Um, the uh, also the, the component of it's not my fault. And women have complete resistance to this. Uh, yeah. Cornell did a, a survey with women who'd been in toxic relationships mm-hmm. and they talked about within those toxic relationships, they had the big five. Are you familiar with the big five personality test? The ocean. Mm-mm. Okay. Openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, mm-hmm. agreeable and eroticism. Yeah. Okay. The big okay. five or ocean. Okay. So these women who'd been in toxic relationships scored extremely high on agreeableness Shocker. and conscientiousness. Shocker. Doing the right thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is very different than codependent, broken, messed up. True. Mm-hmm. Okay. Of course, there are situations where toxic ends up with toxic. Of course, of course, of course. But not very often. But the assumption is it's always that. It takes two to two. Well, if you haven't done this, yeah. Here's an interesting thing about that is I see a lot of, and this, this is another thing I wish would just get shot straight into space. The quote that says you, you attract what you think you deserve. Yeah, I agree so damaging your low vibe. And so you attract a low vibe, all that bullshit. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's another way that women get shamed. Well, I, I think I deserve this. I must've thought I deserved it. And so that's why they stayed. And here's the thing about toxic people. They don't care who they're with. They don't care you, a puppet, a plant, some other chick, they don't care. They'll stay with anyone who allows them to stay. Now that Mm -hmm. is obviously not saying that these women deserve or that they ask for but once it starts, they only stay as long as you allow it because they literally don't care. They'll change. And anyone who's been through this, I'm sure your clients who are on the other end and healing and doing the work, like, my ex has already moved on. My ex is already with someone else. Well, yeah, because they found a new victim. That's what they do. They don't care about you. It's not about you. It, it, it's such a nuanced conversation of it's not my fault and I have to do better in the future. Right. Right. Not my fault, and it's my responsibility. Yes. And, you know, it's not what you attract, it's what you accept. Yes. Right. Yes. But but it's so nuanced because I literally start with it's not my fault. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, this is my, this is, this is my fault. This is not my fault. This is my responsibility. This is not my responsibility, especially after the blame shift, right? Which is everything. And this is why having a coach can be so important. So absolutely necessary. Like if you, you thinking you can figure this out on your own, heck to the heck to the no. Like I, I, I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry. I wish it were, I wish it were easier. I wish it were that 
I have never heard anyone go from, you know, surviving to thriving on their own or with YouTube videos. Right. Like it, and it they can do slightly better, but there's still like triggers the way that your brain remembers and categorizes triggers. Like people mm-hmm. think it's really linear, but it's really like a spider web. If you pull one string, one on like another hand pulls, like yeah. if you imagine a clock, it's like you pull the three o'clock, you think the, the nine o'clock, cause it's a cross is going to get pulled, but it's really like the five. And you're like, what the, how are these even related? That's why you need someone. I tell people like I walk around their brain and I'm just like, what is this? Yeah. You need someone to walk around your brain and be like, what this and help you yes. make sense of it. So how did you even get in, into this work? Um, <laughs> and what's some of the things that like you've had clients, like tell us like a transformation story. I love these. Okay. So yeah. Um, I am a pastor's daughter, so I was the ultimate good girl. Okay. You were the country music song ideal. Oh my gosh. Let's just talk about how sickeningly good I was. Um, my senior year instead, I'm, I'm not saying this to brag. Like it's kind of embarrassing at this point, my senior year, instead of going like drinking with my friends on spring break, I told my father I wanted to go work in the orphanage. And so my family went to the orphanage to like, uh, you know, work in in Jamaican. um, Oh my God. Instead of going to, uh, going to like drinking. (laughs) To party. Yeah. 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 Um, But there was a lot of anger attached to that. Right. Like I was like, I wanted to be so good that God slash universe protected me from the bad. And I, I wanted to be more of what I was already good at, which was being pretty selfless, thinking of others, being nice, being a good girl. And I wanted that to be able to be my path. And this is the conditioning. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to be so good and pure and whatever and honest and then within my integrity that I don't have to be um even if I don't usually use bible verses on these things but you know it says like be um I think innocent as children and wise as serpents Mm. but I wanted to just be the innocent as children like I didn't want to have to develop the wisdom of understanding who was safe and who wasn't safe and that's not even counting like the church structure and how it prioritizes men in power and teaches women to be disempowered like that's not even counting toxic Christianity no so this is was- not toxic but like the toxic parts of it really no yeah you know it's just um that blanket statement of like I want to be I don't want to have to do the job of sorting through evil. Okay. I don't want to have to do that. I just want to be nice and be good and everyone be nice and good back. And the people I know are nice and people I don't know are dangerous, you know, and that really innocent and naive version of me Mm -hmm. um, that I brought into the world. So fast forward years later, um, I was, driving with my friends um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. I know you're from North Carolina um, for a girls weekend, my college retreat. And um, I had spent so much of my energy on who do you need me to be? Who do you need to be? I want to be nice. I want to be good. I want to be this. I'm going to be the the best wife, the best, this, the best church goer, the best, this. my body shut down while I was driving. Like literally they said I was holding the wheel and then I wasn't holding the wheel anymore. No drugs, no alcohol, no prescription drugs. Like just, stress, yeah. just people pleasing, just thinking I could be good. And that would be good enough. Mm. I want you to hear me loud and clear being good 
is not good enough. You have to be wise. You have to be discerning. You have to be smart. You have to be able to sort through this person that is safe for me and this person is not safe for me. And in my book, I say we would all be better off if we believe two things. One, there are toxic people. And two, I know them. If we can get past that, we're so far. It's one of the two. Well, you know, and some people are like, I'm totally a toxic person. I don't let anybody in my life. And it's like, yeah, you have no friends. Like you have (laughs) nothing going on. That's that's also bad. (laughs) It's terrible. Or, or I'm not in a toxic marriage. So Mm. I don't have to worry about this. And it's like, when you look at the child abuse statistics, the people who are abusing children are the people you know, not strangers. Mm-hmm. We worry so much about stranger danger and then completely have our guard down with the people we let in our kids' lives. Um, you know, most rape situations are people we know. It's date rape. Overwhelming. Or it's a toxic boss or it's a toxic coworker or it's, or, you know, I said like coaches. Like oh, coaches, uh, toxic religious communities, or people putting up with terrible enabling behaviors for teens mm-hmm. or young adults. Oh, yes. They make these horrible excuses like, oh, no, he's a good boy. No, he's not. Right. He's right. not a good boy. My favorite yeah. thing that I hear people say about their partners when we do the work is, um, but they're really a good person. And I say, are they? Are yeah. they? Do good mm-hmm. people put their hands on their partners? Yeah. Do good people hurt you to get what they want? And Mm -hmm. when, because I know that they know the answer to that question. And so Mm -hmm. then they go, well, well. About their own life. Do you see? Yeah. And it's such, it's such a misalignment um, Mm -hmm. because they know, and that's why your body shuts you down. Right. We were talking about this right before we recorded, like you weren't listening. You weren't listening. Your body, there was probably such a long period of stress. And I mean, what were you experiencing before your body shut you down? So my hair falling out lock jaw um I remember uh taking a like I didn't have like a prescription drug issue but I remember taking like a pain pill from a surgery that I've had just so that my muscles could relax at one wow. point because I was like this like you're ah. bracing because you're in I was brain. oh yeah bracing for danger uh not digesting my food I was losing weight gaining weight losing weight gaining weight brain fog confusion um, just living fight and flight right. for forever and, and denying what I was seeing. And, and that's what's right. happened. It's like, what happens is there's like 5% good and 95% terrible. And it's like, right. Oh, but the 5% good is who this person really is. Mm-hmm. Which is a terrible. And here's the secret. Here's the secret. In many ways, we want it to be our fault. When the toxic person blame shifts and says, if you would mm-hmm. this, I would this. Gaslighting. If you would be so needy or sensitive or demanding or whatever. Whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Then we'll have the relationship you want. Then you'll have the happiness you want. Then you'll have whatever you want. Okay. And secretly, I talk in my book about being smart girl syndrome. Okay. Smart girl syndrome says I have never met a problem I couldn't solve. Right. So I can solve this problem too with enough hard work and effort. I can solve this relationship too. That's enforced by our religious communities. That's enforced by our friends. 
That's enforced by marriage counselors. Just do a little more work, Sarah. If you worked harder, you could fix it. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about what they're doing. Don't worry about what these other people are doing. Right. You just be the best you can be. Right. Okay. And it's harder too, because it it feels like they give you a roadmap. Yeah. And they don't. And so the love bombing that happens early, and this this is another thing I'm sure you see, like, when the first time that they do it, you don't see mm-hmm. someone abusing. You see the person that you love in pain. And then the second time it's you, they, they're in pain because they cry afterwards and they apologize and they're just so angry and so hurt overwhelmed. People. Yeah. Hurt people, hurt people. Oh, they just love, love. I can love them enough. They'll change for me. Yes. Yeah. I love them enough. And so right. it's this whole like mind F. Yes. 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 And if, if it's up to me, if I can figure out the right thing to do and figure out the right work to do, then then I can fix it and I don't have to blow up my life. And then it's my fault when it doesn't work out because I didn't fix it. And people love a carrot, right? So if you just move the goalpost, we'll keep running forever. Yes. I have an article on that that says the love language of a narcissist is that the finish line is always moving. You're like that, in the brain. <laughs> this is awesome. But that is, that is their love language. It's like, but he loves me. Yes. And what that means is you will never get it right. When he says he loves you and he says, you need to love me. What that means is I all, the goal, the goal line is always moving. You're always running. How, how you show love to a narcissist is that you're always running and exhausted. That it's like is giving up your life. That, yeah, that is the lovely. Mm-hmm. So when you say he loves me, that's that's what that right. to you love means connection. It means right. affection. It means right. this. It means they want to watch you run until you you It fall. means they want to kill you. No, literally yeah. they want you to die. Like mm-hmm. and it's such a power trip too because a lot of times partners like that don't go for super, super meek. Like they'll often go for a person they want to break. It's a power trip for them to break. They'll go after, you know, quote unquote, strong, bad women because it's an ego trip. Well, okay. And okay. If you, I was a piano major. Okay. So when I started playing piano, I was like a twinkle, twinkle little star, right? <laughs> and now I can play a Beethoven sonata, a Debussy, you know, Chopin nocturne. Like I'm, I'm, I worked at piano right? and now I'm very good at it. Okay. Some people work at soccer and they're good. Some people work at um, a business strategy and they're good. Some people work at communication. They work at calculus. They work and at losing so- people. <laughs> so yeah, that's a, that's a good point too. Uh, but the, when you work and you're in high school, and you're not good at calculus, and then you work harder, and you get the A, and there's a payoff, and you bring that version of you that has been able to create success in other areas of your life through work, mm-hmm. and then you apply it to your relationships. Mm-hmm. That's what they're looking for, someone willing to do the work. And then you go to a, most therapists, and they're going to say it's codependency. Mm-hmm. But these are skills I want to my daughter to work at things and get better. Right. It's, it's only a bad idea in this one situation. Right. Which is, which is why I think Instagram therapy and like pop culture therapy is just 
talk, it's toxic because it teaches women, oh, you're codependent. Are you, are you in a relationship with an abuser? Yeah. Because yeah, no shit, you're codependent. You're focused on safety. And the safest thing is the codependent thing because you're literally going to die if you don't follow their rules. Like that is a very real scenario. So, so a lot of, oh my gosh, this has been phenomenal. I want to leave people as well when they're like, oh my God, I'm in this episode and I don't like it. Um, What are some like areas? What are, I call them themes that like Mm -hmm. you see women when they start working on it, they get some traction and it really makes an impact. Does that make sense? Yeah. um, Definitely like two pieces of paper. Mm -hmm. What he says is my fault. What really happened? And it's, it's anything within those critical thinking skills and use two pieces of paper. What the, the difference is taking your mind from spaghetti. Okay. So everything is connected, interwoven. If I leave, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, okay. And turning it into what I call waffles. Okay. Oh my God. I literally had a client made that exact same analogy. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. That's a huge thing I do. That is insane. Well, when you you stick your fork in spaghetti, it's messy, it's drippy, it's a mess, right? Okay, when you can cut off a waffle square, you can get momentum, okay? And so it's two pieces. One, like I call it solving a waffle problem versus a spaghetti problem. Yeah, so that's one piece of it. And then getting your brain to feel like it's in waffles. This is my fault. This is not my fault. This is what he said. This is what actually happened. This is um, how many days I was miserable last month, like turning it into concrete data rather than swirly feelings. And being radically honest about what is happening. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. What oh, is absolutely. Happening? absolutely. And that letter to your best friend can really help that because like, okay, if this was happening to someone else, there's no way I would be okay with it. Yeah. But if it's happening to me, I am okay with it because I don't, you know, because I don't what, what's going on. Yeah. Is I don't deserve better. Is it, I'm just used to it. And usually people assume it's a self-esteem thing. And I think it's just that um, critical thinking. You're not critically thinking about your own life. And we certainly weren't taught to. Right. And I think it's kind of married with like self-discipline, right? Because all of these things are a practice. You're not going to feel like confronting the discrepancy between what's happening and what you say is happening. You're not going to feel like setting a boundary because you're terrified and you feel guilty. And Mm -hmm. that's why the discipline is so important because you have to do these things, no matter how you feel, you have to walk away and keep walking, no matter how many times you want to turn back. And yeah. So it's really being able to assess like what the hell is wrong? What -hmm. is wrong? And then let's be honest about it. And I really, I agree. I think this is why you need a therapist, a coach, someone to walk you through it. Who's also not going to blame you because a lot of therapists will, I have a client who was, did marriage counseling with someone in town and they said, well, if you were a better Christian, your marriage would be working. That person didn't return to therapy for nine years, nine years. They suffered. Now they got out of that marriage, but nine years they suffered because that therapist is garbage. And so also critically thinking about who you are going to work with. Does this person share my values? Do I feel empowered? 
Well, there's an assumption that every therapist is a toxic relationship specialist. And that is so far from the truth. Right. And some so therapists if, are toxic. They like the power trip. Yes, they have. Um, there's a, I think what I've heard from therapists is there's usually like in all their training, one class on abusive behavior. Oh yeah. One. Yeah. Right. And think about the people who normally go into therapy. They're the people who just want to be good, want to be supportive, right. wanting to be kind. It's never right. the narcissist. They're not going. Right. They so do they don't do anything wrong. Well, right. they, those therapists aren't wanting to search for evil either. They're just wanting to like hold space for you. Right. Here to hold space for you. <laughs> right. Um, right. And coaches are the bane of one of my hatreds. Like, oh, it's, it's baffling, you know, and maybe you need different things at different stages. Um, but I love that you introduced someone to like, I said, in my group, I, I run the Facebook group, finding love and success after a toxic relationship. And I say, there are lots of people who will pat you on the back. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're beautiful. Oh, you're worth it. And that's great. That's not what I do. I will pat you on the butt. Come right. on now. Get- What's next for you? What's next for you? And you brought up a really good point about when you're running from the bear, you're not thinking about your career. Okay. And you're not thinking about success. And so much of what I do is getting people. Cause I heard from you a lady yesterday an accountant. And she says, she's been working with me. Um, she's increased her business by 35%. Holy crap. And you're not even, I'm not really? a business. Right. 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 Except I, I kind of am sometimes, but it's like, Oh, I got a promotion. Oh, I got a raise. Uh-huh. Oh, I got this. Oh, I got that. Okay. Here's the secret. Get high performing women to start thinking in their creative space instead of in survival mode again. Well, dang, right. no wonder they're making more money. Right. Once like, you're out of survival mode, you quite literally have the energy to live your life. Yes. And, and start solving problems that have solutions. Yes. When trying to solve toxic person problems, you might as well just beat your head against the wall. I tell everyone to teach my cows to sing opera. Yeah. I'm like, please go teach my cows to sing opera. They're like, that's impossible. And I'm like, as long as you're starting to get it. <laughs> right. It's very, you know, it's very difficult. I, you know, I, I have compassion for how like, but this is like the father of my kids, but this is my mother, but this is, I've been at this company for 20 years. Like I get, I, I get the emotional resistance, oh, yeah. right. but what you ask about things to kind of help you. And it's like, okay, so you have 10 years of data mm-hmm. that says you're miserable with this person. Mm-hmm. You have no data that says you're not miserable with this person. Right. But you're choosing. Mm-hmm. It's not to yourself. Well, and it's not like, cause you think, Oh, it's my comfort zone. No, it's not mm-hmm. 10 years of data that says you are not comfortable in the situation that your body's shutting down, that they are not going to change, that they are always going to blame you for everything that you're like, you have 10 years of data. Right. That you. This is not a people like, Oh, it's a really difficult decision. And it is because of the emotional resistance. Right. It's not because of the data. Right. And you're telling yourself, say, I have 10 years of data that says if I do this for 10 more years, I'm going to be miserable. That is true. I also have a lot of emotional resistance and fear about the unknown. Okay. That is also true. If you can say that, like, holy moly, like you were like, whoa, like you just yeah, like, like yeah. into like now this whole walking. Itself. And that's a woeful thing, right? Yeah. Okay. So then 
my problem to solve, my waffle problem to solve is the emotional resistance of my fear, not whether or not I can make this, make this be happy. Right. Whatever you already, that's one example. And you already start solving better problems. Yeah. And your energy is put towards things that are actually helpful. Um, and actionable things that are actionable. Right. So, um, I call it abstract problems. Am I going to, am I, am I, will I have, why, why, why abstract? Okay. Why do they treat me like this? Blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. You already know. You already know. Because they hate you. Well, they treat you like this because this is how they treat people they are with. And because you allow it. Yeah. And because this is how they love. Remember the line? Well, they, I don't think they love. No, I don't, I I don't like to. No, no, no. But what, you know, but he loves me. How they get what they want. Yeah, for sure. This is how, um, this is what love means to them. So it's not like love in the way. Yeah, right. But but when he says he loves you, this is like the definition of that. Yeah. And I think it's really important that you remove the person saying, well, I want to be with them. I want to be with them. I want to be with them from, is this even the relationship that you want? Because if Mm -hmm. it's not the relationship, like structurally that you want, What exactly are we fighting for this person? Let's be honest about their ability or want to change. Can someone do the work? Sure. Um, Do they want to? Not uh, obviously no, because they're not doing it. So if someone isn't investing, they're not invested. And a lot of people just wish they would be right. But that, then it's where do you say they move the goalpost where, but if I do one more thing, they'll do it. Yeah. And it's, and here's an important point. People are like, oh, you know, I'm just going to take him to therapy. You know, it's going to be a lot of work. It's like, mm, okay. They ain't coming. <laughs> Do they treat, well, if they come, okay. Yeah. Do they know how to treat you in front of their boss? Like if it's a toxic marriage, are they going to call you a bitch, knock your glass out of your hand, right. manipulate you and cut you down in front of their boss? Probably not. Okay. That means they know how to treat you. Mm-hmm. They already know. It's not all this work. Oh, they just need to learn how to treat people. No, no, no. They, if they're not going to call you a bitch in front of their pastor, in front of their sin, in the synagogue, they already know how to treat you. They just don't want to treat you that way. Right. And they'll say, oh, if they only understood how they hurt me. And I'm like, no, they understand. They don't care. Yes. And and a really good point in boundaries. Okay. You have three pigs. Straw pig, you straw house pig. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, Stick house pig, Mm -hmm. brick house pig, three little pigs. They all had boundaries. None of them changed the big bad wolf. Mm. Okay. Because I think that's something we get wrong in the healing conversation, too. Well, if you stood up to him, he would treat you better. No. Okay. Better boundaries are for protecting pigs. Not for changing bulls. <laughs> that is a great analogy. Right. And I, I, I get very frustrated because you see women. Okay. Well, now I'm going to stand up for myself and just creates chaos like, and danger, danger, storms, chaos. And it's like, wow, hold on, hold on. Right. This is not, I know your, your great cousin said, if you stood up for yourself, they wouldn't treat you like that. Yeah. No, 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 no. This is how they love love quotation marks this is how they treat people this is what love means to them this is who they are Mm -hmm. it is a 
personality disorder. This is their personality. Right. This isn't their bad day. Right. This is who they are. Right. Believe it. Believe it. Oh, that's a good one. Oh my gosh. Yes. All these things are like, uh, like screaming internally, but I don't want to scream on the podcast. Cause then they'll be like, why are you screaming in my brain? Um, so someone is like, um, Sarah literally just put so much truth in my ears, uh, and they want to work with you, which, oh my God. Yes. How do they find oh, you? I want to work with me. If you want to get your thinking straight make more money and heal your relationship with your kids. Like that's the only reason (laughs) if you want to be happier. No, no, I'm kidding. But but that really is. And it's a very simple formula of taking the world's best women and giving them back themselves. Right. It's, it's quite easy. I, I believe that you're good, kind, loving, giving, forgiving, you know, and let's transform that to work for you. It's wonderful. Yeah. Just not for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I run the Wondrous Woman program. You can find more about it at Sarah K. Ramsey under programs. Um, and that that is really what I do. You know, it is really creating wondrous women. It's not just like, well, how do I get over him? How do I stop love addiction? How do I stop codependency? It's like, how do you how do you design this life you're excited about living? How do you wake up with joy? How do you like who you are? How do you live in integrity and show your children the life they should have rather than just like there was this girl and she was like super scared to work with me and blah, 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 blah. she didn't do, you know, whatever. And I felt really compassionate towards her. There's actually several times that I reached out like her after that. Okay. Mm-hmm. She did not choose herself a year after I had talked to her. She posted something on Facebook and said, I hope my daughter is stronger than me. I hope she doesn't make the same mistakes I do. I hope that she learns to be better. I, it is sad, but it pissed me off. Mm. She says, her daughter's like two. Her daughter's like two. Got time. <laughs> How dare you yeah. give your daughter a path that you don't show her where to step? Right. She's How teaching her to fail. Yeah. How, yeah. It's like. Yeah. If you want your daughter to be stronger, you have to show her the way. If you want your daughter to have a healthy relationship, you have to have one. If you want her to have a healthy relationship with herself and your or whatever. Yeah. And I've got a little boy who I love, you know, yeah, it's uh, my daughter's example. Yeah, But uh, toxic female relationships are absolutely as terrible as as toxic. And that's such a cop out to say, well, I'm just not strong enough. Oh no. Nobody and is at first. Better. How dare we throw our children under the bus like that? How yeah. dare we throw it? Like I, you know, I, my biggest pet peeve is people who say well, I'm great at giving advice, just not taking it. And it's like, Oh, so you're good at lying. So you don't give a shit about your life. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you're lying. You have you no know, self-discipline or integrity. If, Got it. Exactly. Yes. If you came into my life and here I am talking about healthy relationships and you came to visit me and you walked in my house and my husband was screaming at me and throwing things at me, I hope your view of me would change. I hope you would say, whoa, something is not in integrity here. There is some, of course, of course we don't agree on everything and all that kind of stuff. You know, but it, obviously there's some misalignment. It's like, oh, here's how to have healthy relationships. But my own is toxic. If I was on, you know, if I said that and it was like, you should come work with me. I'm really good at teaching you how to have healthy relationships. Now, I don't have any. 
Right. But I, you have like people will be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But that's exactly when we say I'm great at giving advice, just not taking it. That's what we're saying is like, right. I am not strong enough to <laughs> avoid the Oreos every night, but I'm going to give you nutrition advice. It's right. real easy to say, don't eat the Oreos. Right. My husband should call some. Actually, I think we need to have like a, a moment. Brought Oreos home, but he brought the Oreo thins, which are like nasty. Like if he brought the double stuff, that might double stuff are legit. I dip them in white chocolate. Oh yeah, he brought thins, so maybe I can forgive him for this. But But you're super right. And, and following your own advice is a discipline. You're not always going to feel like it, but then, okay, your life doesn't belong to you. And so live with that consequence. Like that's your choice, right? I tell everyone I work with, like, I don't care what you do out of sessions with me. I don't care because my life is good. I do what I teach people. What I'm like, Hey, it, they're like, Oh, I need to think. It's like, you need to think about whether or not you want your life to get better. Right. Cool. All right. Cool. Call me when you're more like, I've literally told what? people call me when you're more miserable. Oh, I know. You're I know. I mean, it's been a year and that's, that's the growth she's made in a year is saying she hopes her daughter's life is better than her. Right. And that's that my other, my other ladies who just chose to work with me are getting raises and getting engaged and healing their relationship with their kids. It's like, have at it. Yeah. Have at it. You do you, you do you, I'll do me. Right. And at the end of the day, like I'm good because I do what I teach. And so when you choose a coach, you also want them to walk their talk, like they better. And it's fair to ask those questions. Oh my God. Yeah. Finance coach. He's got $20,000 of credit card debt. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's a problem. It's like, Oh, I'm great at giving financial advice, but yeah, I run up my credit cards every month. It's like, what? Bye. That's terrible. You know, and I'm great at giving my friends advice, but I don't take any of it. I just need to take my own advice. So you're a liar. Right. Hold hold yourself to that integrity. And that's what I say all the time. It's like, my life is not perfect, but I'm going to be honest Mm -hmm. either way on it. And I want to say very, very clearly, I have done everything in my life I can to be toxic person proof. Absolutely. A hundred percent getting the right people in, getting the wrong people out and holding myself to that integrity. And it's so much easier. Like a lot of people think the work is so hard and I'm like, dude, what you're doing, you hate your life 24 seven. Like that shit is hard. Yes. Yes. So tell us one more time where people can find you. Um, website. Yeah. So Sarah K Ramsey.com. You can grab my book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof. Uh, my um, podcast is called Toxic Person Proof. Amanda and I did an incredible uh, podcast on confidence. We had, this is our second great conversation. Uh, yeah. And um, that, that has been really great. And my website, sarahkramsey.com. You can see the programs I run um, or join my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship. Are you on Instagram as well? Yeah, I'm not, I'm on Instagram live right now. Hi, I need to do a better job with my, with my Instagram. Um, I have, it's at bounce back. Uh, so yes, definitely see me on Instagram though. It is, it has been the, the redheaded stepchild that I have ignored. <laughs> so I can't do better about that. <laughs> so what would you like to leave our people with? Like if they listen to nothing else and they're just like, yeah. oh my God, yeah, that's great. 
but they hear this. What do you want them to hear? Look for relationships where people play by the same set of rules. Mm. It's that simple. You get into trauma bonding, abuse, codependency, blah, 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 blah. And my life mission is to give the world a different language to navigate abuse. Okay. We can simplify the language. We can simplify our lives. But when it's really complicated, like, is it abuse? Is it not? Is it trauma bonding? Is it love addiction? Is it blah, blah, blah? Okay. Who's making the rules of the relationship? Is someone always getting the better end of the deal? That is a bad deal for you. That is not okay. And I want you to think, we learned at three years old to take turns, maybe before that. Mm -hmm. Years old to take turns. If you were with a 45-year-old man who hasn't figured that out yet, he has been here for 42 years that he should take turns. If he doesn't know, the chances of you changing him are zero or a mom or a sister or whatever else in a healthy relationship, people take turns. Mm-hmm. So they have the same set of rules. Love that. Oh my God. Dude, thank you so much. Like it's so good. So, okay. Everybody be good. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and if something comes up, listen, message Sarah, get at her on, I mean, literally your Facebook sounds wonderful. Um, check out her programs or like message me and I will hook you up. If you're like, I forgot what it was like, I'm gonna hook you up. Also, it'll be on the show notes. So like, you can also just look it up. Um, dude, thank you so much. Thank you, Amanda. It was so great to be here. Bye fam. Okay. Hello. 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 Root of power fam. We are here with Sarah who y'all are going to straight up be obsessed with because not only is she just has such a good energy, (laughs) right? Like flip that hair (laughs) has such a good energy. She is no bullshit. She's like, I'm going to hold your hand, but also kick you in the pants. And so we're doing both. It's a very well-rounded um, love circle. So she is a toxic relationship specialist. So she helps women who have come out of a toxic relationship and they're like, well, shit, now what do I do? Like, how do I rebuild my life? So that's really where she comes in. And I will tell you, it is such, such a need. So thank goodness you are doing this work. So welcome. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And in my book, I call it a toxic person encounter because we kind of get this, we put like toxic romantic relationships in this really crazy category of like broken, codependent, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is we all have toxic relationships. Even if you're in a to- in a great marriage, which I am now in, mm-hmm. you know, I still have to deal with people with personality disorders, people with boundary issues, people yeah. with uh, their assholes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a great book called The Asshole Survival Guide uh, for people at dealing with toxic people at work. Um, but yeah, so uh, my book, Shameless Plug, Becoming Toxic Person Proof. Girl, give it to us. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm, I'm humbled by the reviews and really, really happy with the feedback wow. I'm getting on it. And it's basically how to clear the confusion and learn to trust yourself if you've had a toxic parent, partner, coworker, friend, and we all have, we, we, we all have. It's yeah. so necessary. And I think, and this is something I talk to a lot of women about, we're conditioned, like women yeah. are conditioned from the time that we're born to 
cater to everyone. So not only is it like a safety thing, right? Men are literally bigger and stronger than us. It's such a conditioning thing. And I work with so many women who, you know, we're working on boundaries. We're working on how to say them, what to do. And they just say, oh my God, I could never imagine saying something like that. When what I'm teaching them to say is the way that you're speaking to me isn't appropriate. Please stop yelling. Uh Oh my God, I could never. And I'm just like, this is, it's such a freaking virus. Like it's so ingrained to be nice, to be polite, but polite looks like self-sacrifice and self-betrayal. And I'm sure, I mean, you must see it all the time. And something that has really like pierced through the darkness of that conversation is taking on an identity of someone who does not help others become worst versions of themselves. Okay. Right. So if in a faith-based contest, this may look like, I don't want people to become better sinners, or I don't want people to become more selfish, or I don't want to help spread darkness into the world. Right. And when, you know, just like, um, this is an easy connotation, right? So if someone, those like old, like 600 pound life shows, Mm -hmm. like I've never seen my 600 pound life. Okay. So someone is bringing them the fried chicken and the milkshakes right? Like for them, if they are in the bed, they are at such a place in their health that they are stuck in the bed and someone has to bring them food. There is nothing kind or nice about the person bringing them unhealthy food. That's going to give them a heart attack, right? There's nothing nice about that. Right. And if someone's addiction is selfishness, if someone's addiction is anger, if someone's addiction shows up in a personality trait rather than fried chicken or cocaine, right? Then, <laughs> you know, there's, there's nothing nice about like, you know what? I am the type of, and I'm going to say it and it's going to be silly. Go ahead. I'm the type of person who helps others emotionally vomit on me and helps them. Like I, I help show them that their anger is okay. And I help show them that their selfishness is okay. And I help show them that their abuse is okay. And I help show them that their cheating is okay. And I help show them that the way to mistreat people is how they are treating me. Like I, I love being the type of person who helps them learn to better mistreat people. Of course, we don't say that in our heads. That's a call out if I've ever heard one. And I love it. And it, it really creates that shift out of nice and polite. Because we want to be nice. Well, there's nothing nice about helping people become worse versions of themselves. There's nothing nice about that. And I'll tell you the big difference. I actually hate the word nice. I hate Mm -hmm. it. I don't give a shit about it. I wish it would be sent to the farthest reaches of this galaxy. Because I have only ever, and I'm 31 years old, and I deal with a lot of people who struggle with boundaries and self-care and speaking up and all those things. I have never heard anyone use nice as a term other than a doormat. I've never heard someone say, well, I just want to be nice. Mm -hmm. One, they either use it to describe someone who has no good traits. Well, they're nice. Well, they're not. That's what you say when you have nothing else to say. Mm -hmm. And also they always use that as an excuse to not hold boundaries. And it's such a difference between nice and kind. And I think it's something a lot of people don't talk about. So yeah, that seemed to resonate. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was going to say. And using the word kind is a higher calling. Mm-hmm. Nice is the other person gets to define what that means. Right. And it's usually right? you're a doormat. Yes. It's like, well, you're not being nice to me because 
I want to yell at you and you not notice or you not, you're not, you're not letting me, you're not letting me mistreat you. And so you're not nice enough. Yes. Yes. And again, going back to that identity of a higher calling of self-integrity and that word self-integrity has gotten a lot more momentum for women Mm -hmm. than um, just like I deserve better. Yeah. Right. Because we talked about this when you were on my podcast, mm-hmm. but sometimes there's a, I deserve better can be a really long bridge to cross. Right. We talk about affirmation sometimes being a long bridge to cross. If we can find shorter bridges to cross. Right. So I deserve better. Oh, there's a lot of self-work to like step into what you deserve. And there's some, there's so much social conditioning of selfishness attached to that statement. Yep. Okay. But I am, I, I, it does not align with my integrity to spread darkness into the world and help you become a worse version of you. That's a shorter bridge to cross. <laughs> All right. like, yeah, that, that is. And then you can start solving the right problem, which is like, Ooh, I feel uncomfortable stepping into that integrity. Right. I and I don't know how to speak up. I don't know how to set boundaries. I've been yeah. taught that my ultimate goal in life is to be a martyr, is yeah. to always self-sacrifice. That is really the problem. So you are so spot on the money, like loving it. Keep going. Yes. Well, and I think I have a daughter, right? Mm-hmm. And so with that martyr motherhood, mm-hmm. okay, the martyr motherhood, I really, really thought long and hard, like, okay, she's going to become who I show her to be not who I say her to be. I'm using right. a phrase with two right. S's on it, but who I show, not who I say. And when I think about looking her in the face, she is so powerful. She's so competitive. She so loves to challenge herself, loves to put herself out there. She's literally the most confident child mm-hmm. I have ever seen. And I like, she's literally the most confident person on the planet. Um, and, you know, if I play the martyr and I say what being a nice person, nice person means is um, you don't count. Mm. Now, right now, when I take her to activities, when I make sure she has rest, when I make sure she has exercise, when I make sure she has healthy food, like being a good parent, make sure she mm-hmm. goes to the doctor, right? I'm telling her she counts. Right. At what point, if, if, I, if my belief system is that as an adult woman, I don't count, but as a, as a young child, you do count, there's a real inconsistency in that. Yeah. And when I have to look at her and say, at what point do you expire? Is it when you have sex? Wow. Is it when you get married? Is it when you start dating? Wow. Is it when you have children? At what point do you expire and you stop counting? I just got chills, like... Holy shit. But when you explain it that way, it's like, then we need to just all be honest and say, okay, I have a son too. My son, you don't expire. My daughter, you do expire. Let's just call it like it is. When you say that, it's like, wow, that's horrible. And it's like, yeah, it is. Yep. Let's say what's actually happening that, you know, so many women are telling themselves that they, they expired at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if, you're going to expire at some point, you probably think, gosh, it'd be, and it would, it would be like literally terrible. If I looked my daughter in the face and said, I hope you enjoy this now. Cause at some point you're going to expire. At some point terrible. your life doesn't belong to you. Yes. 
which is yes. what happens when, when you get into these toxic relationship patterns and you self-sacrifice and you self-betray your whole life. And I work with women in their sixties, yeah, their whole life, mm-hmm. their whole life has belonged to their partner. Yeah. They don't, their house doesn't look the way they want. They're not allowed to decorate. They're not allowed to do things they want. They don't have friends. Not that those things are explicitly implied. And this may be something we can discuss. Like not everything is a statement. You're not allowed to have friends. You can't decorate this house. But what toxic people will do is they'll make it too difficult to do those things. They'll throw a tantrum. They'll threaten you, even if it's not explicit. They'll take away freedoms that you'll, they'll give you really harsh consequences. So over time, it's never, they train you. you. And so then they also get to turn around and say, well, I never said that. I never said you can't have friends. I just said all your friends hate you and they're against you. Yeah. And so when people ask me, how do you define a toxic relationship? I, I try to steer away from the A word, which is abuse. Right. And I, I giggle a bit that we talk about um, domestic abuse awareness because it's, it's like, which is a terrible thing to giggle about, but, but hear me out. You know, yeah. Did we, do we need an awareness campaign to know you shouldn't hit other people? Like really did that take an awareness campaign that we like, do we not know that? Like, you know, but when you talk about like abuse, especially physical violence, okay. Domestic violence, that's like only talking about cancer in its fourth stages. Mm. And we would be really losing the war against cancer. If it was like, ignore, pretend it's not happening, pretend it's not happening. Stage four cancer. Ah, everyone's dying. That would be a terrible strategy to manage cancer. And that's the same strategy we're using in toxic relationships. You're so right. Yeah. When it gets to stage four, then you can get out, then you can get help, then we help you, then we take you seriously, you know, and it's only that stage four concept. And we're not teaching society about those precancerous cells. And that's where you start preventing toxic relationships, teaching our kids those precancerous cells. Okay. So going back to those precancerous cells and your, your analogy, a toxic relationship is one where one person makes the rules. One person sets the rules. One person enforces the rules, Mm. one person changes the rules, and the other person's job is to follow the rules. Okay, that the house example was great, right? So they don't, they don't say the rules. No one says the rules. I get to use everything, right? But it's this. um, They just punish you when you break them. Yes. And uh, there was a, there's a book I'm reading right now called The New Husband. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but so this girl, he's looking, this guy, he's looking in the magazine and he goes, oh, your hair would look so good like this. And she goes, no, I really like my long hair. I don't want to cut my hair. And that night when they were having sex, he couldn't have sex with her. He was like, sorry, I'm just tired. But she felt ugly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next day she goes and gets her hair cut. And then they okay? have sex. Yeah. Well, then she didn't get it like he wanted because she was trying to like stay in her own power and stuff. She's like, well, I'll cut it kind of like he wants. Mm. So then everyone else was like, gosh, your hair looks so amazing. You look so great. And he saw her and he went, oh, I mean, I don't, I mean, it looks great. Of course, I don't mean to say it doesn't. I just thought you were going to get your side disorder. Mm. So then of course the next, but when you, it's your hair, you do what you want. You know, right, I'm just not, right. I never told you to cut it that way. Right. I didn't yeah. make you cut your hair. 
Well, the unspoken rule, remember that somebody setting the rules is I'm not attracted to you unless you have your hair like that. Right. Okay. But here's why the conversation about red flags is so important because it is not enough to go Google a list of red flags. Right. I used to have bangs. My husband prefers me without bangs. I had bangs the first, gosh, four years of our relationship. Um, And then during COVID, I couldn't get my hair cut. And so my bangs grew out. So now I don't have bangs. And he's like, oh, without bangs. To say, hey, a a man having preference about your hair is a red flag is insane. And it misses the nuance because to every single one of these behaviors, there's a spectrum where it's, hey, like, I really, I really like your bangs. Um, Or I really wish you would get bangs again. You're like, yeah, it's not really my thing. And they're like, all right. Yeah, you're right, right. Right. And this is the nuance. And so, so you're so right. A lot of women will Google red flags. And here's the other thing I see all the time. They already know. Oh, yeah. In my book, no. If you're Googling red flags, girl, you know what they are. They don't want to admit it. So one of the things I do with the women I work with, and it's harsh, and I mean it to be harsh, mm-hmm. is I call things what they are. I say, uh, this yeah. is abuse. This is abuse. This is a controlling behavior. And I make them go through this exercise where they categorize every single one of their partner's behaviors as how does this keep control for them? How -hmm. does this keep control for them? Every single behavior. And then they start seeing the patterns. And so then Mm -hmm. when I ask, why are we staying? Which is so different, right? That's such a damaging question when you don't have the understanding that someone who's trained like you and I have, they say, well, why do you stay? It's shame filled. Yeah. I'm trying to get to the answer. You're trying to get to the answer. So, you know, caveat, don't just ask people why they're staying when they're in an imbalanced relationship. But when we start filtering things is how does this keep control for them? How does this control you? How does this put up a maze for you that now you have to spend so much energy running through? You don't have any energy to think about the consequences of the relationship that you're in. Yeah. Well, and another nuance is, is this okay for everyone or just okay for you? Mm. Right. Because if your best friend was putting up with this behavior, would that be okay that she's treated this way? Is it okay for everyone to be treated this way or just for you to be treated this way? And when they, you know, answering very honestly, well, it's just okay for me to be treated this way. What? Right. Right. What? What? No. Start to, Mm -hmm. and if someone is in a, we have the question all the time, my daughter, my cousin, my whatever, my sister, my whatever is in a toxic relationship. How do I get her to leave. Good question. What's the answer? Yes. So it is all these little components of anything, 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 anything within toxic relationships can be solved with critical thinking skills. Critically thinking about your own life, critically thinking about relationships, critically thinking about what's happening. Okay. And it's like, Oh, is this, that's right. I I don't want my daughter to expire. Oh, I, I shouldn't expire. Oh, I, I have a different set of rules. Like if it was happening to my best friend, it wouldn't be okay, but it's happening to me. So it is okay. Well, that, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Right. And thinking about those critically, critically thinking about your own life is how you get out because within toxic relationships, they make the rules, they set the rules and you're not critically thinking about the rules. You're, you're spending all your energy trying to be nice. And trying to survive because What happens in a toxic relationship is not just the presence of a threat, it's the absence of safety. And so when, when someone takes your safety away 
and it doesn't start big, right? It always starts so small. And we can talk about this after like the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment that these women feel. Oh, yeah. But when they take away your safety, all you know is survival mode. So like if you're running from a bear, you're definitely not like, hmm, what am I, what do I want my career goals to look like? You don't have any because you're running from a bear. You're running for your life. And that's what these rules are for to say, this is a threat. This is a threat, danger, danger, danger. So you literally don't have the room to critically think because your body is running 24 seven. You're so tired that you quite literally, you don't have the room. Mm-hmm. So how do you, um, how do you get women to the space where they can even think critically? Ha! First of all, some of the things that I said, you know, starting um, a letter to your best friend, writing a letter to your best friend as, as if she was in the situation you are in. Good one. Okay. Because if she, again, if she was being treated like this, it would be terrible If you're being treated like this for some reason, it's okay. That is absolutely the first thing I would say. Um, The uh, also the the component of it's not my fault, and women have complete resistance to this. Uh, Cornell did a a survey with women who'd been in toxic relationships, Mm -hmm. and they talked about within those toxic relationships, they had the big five. Are you familiar with the big five personality test? The ocean. Mm -mm. Yeah, openness conscientiousness, extroversion, mm-hmm. agreeableness, and eroticism. Yeah, okay. The big okay. five or ocean. Okay. So these women who'd been in toxic relationships scored extremely high on agreeableness Shocker. and conscientiousness. Shocker. Doing the right thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is very different than codependent, broken, messed up. Mm, true. Okay. Of course, there are situations where toxic ends up with toxic. Of course, of course, of course. But not very often. But the assumption is it's always that. It takes two to two. Well, if you haven't done this, yeah. Here's an interesting thing about that is I see a lot of, and this, this is another thing I wish would just get shot straight into space. The quote that says you, you attract what you think you deserve. Yeah, I agree so damaging your low vibe. And so you attract a low vibe, all that bullshit. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's another way that women get shamed. Well, I, I think I deserve this. I must've thought I deserved it. And so that's why they stayed. And here's the thing about toxic people. They don't care who they're with. They don't care you, a puppet, a plant, some other chick, they don't care. They'll stay with anyone who allows them to stay. Now that Mm -hmm. is obviously not saying that these women deserve or that they ask for but once it starts, they only stay as long as you allow it because they literally don't care. They'll change. And anyone who's been through this, I'm sure your clients who are on the other end and healing and doing the work, like, my ex has already moved on. My ex is already with someone else. Well, yeah, because they found a new victim. That's what they do. They don't care about you. It's not about you. It, it, it's such a nuanced conversation of it's not my fault and I have to do better in the future. Right. Right. It's not my fault, and it's my responsibility. Yes. And, you know, it's not what you attract, it's what you accept. Yes. Right. Yes. But but it's so nuanced because I literally start with it's not my fault. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, this is my, this is, this is my fault. This is not my fault. This is my responsibility. This is not my responsibility, especially after the blame shift. Right. Which is everything. And this is why having a coach can be so important. So absolutely necessary. Like if you, you thinking you can figure this out on your own, 
heck to the heck to the no. Like I, 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 I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry. I wish it were, I wish it were easier. I wish it were that. I have never heard anyone go from, you know, surviving to thriving on their own or with YouTube videos. Right. Like it, and it they can do slightly better, but there's still like triggers the way that your brain remembers and categorizes triggers. Like people mm-hmm. think it's really linear, but it's really like a spider web. If you pull one string, one on like another hand pulls, like yeah. if you imagine a clock, it's like you pull the three o'clock, you think the, the nine o'clock, cause it's a cross is going to get pulled, but it's really like the five. And you're like, what the, how are these even related? Yeah. That's why you need someone. I tell people like I walk around their brain and I'm just like, what is this? Yeah. You need someone to walk around your brain and be like, what this and help you yes. make sense of it. So how did you even get in, into this work? Um, <laughs> and what's some of the things that like you've had clients, like tell us like a transformation story. I love these. Okay. So yeah, um, I am a pastor's daughter. So I was the ultimate good girl. <laughs> Okay. You were the and country music song ideal. Oh my gosh. Let's just talk about how sickeningly good I was. Um, my senior year, instead, and I'm, I'm not saying this to brag, like it's kind of embarrassing at this point. My senior year, instead of going like drinking with my friends on spring break, I told my father I wanted to go work in the orphanage. And so my family went to the orphanage to like, uh, you know, work in, in Jamaican. Um, right? Oh, my God. Instead of going to uh, going to like drinking. <laughs> to party. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but there was a lot of anger attached to that. Right. Like I was like, I wanted to be so good that God slash universe protected me from the bad. And I, I wanted to be more of what I was already good at, which was being pretty selfless, thinking of others, being nice, being a good girl. And I wanted that to be able to be my path. And this is the conditioning. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to be so good and pure and whatever and honest and and within my integrity that I don't have to be um even if I don't usually use bible verses on these things but you know it says like be um I think innocent as children and wise as serpents Mm. but I wanted to just be the innocent as children like I didn't want to have to develop the wisdom of understanding who was safe and who wasn't safe and that's not even counting like the church structure and how it prioritizes men in power and teaches women to be disempowered like that's not even counting toxic Christianity no this is not toxic but like the toxic parts of it really no yeah you know it's just um that blanket statement of like I want to be I don't want to have to do the job of sorting through evil. Okay. I don't want to have to do that. I just want to be nice and be good and everyone be nice and good back. And the people I know are nice and people I don't know are dangerous, you know, and that really innocent and naive version of me Mm -hmm. um, that I brought into the world. So fast forward years later, um, I was, driving with my friends um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. I know you're from North Carolina um, for a girls weekend, my college retreat. And um, I had spent so much of my energy on who do you need me to be? Who do you need to be? I want to be nice. I want to be good. I want to be this. I'm going to be the the best wife, the best, this, the best church or the best. My body shut down while I was driving. Like literally they said I was holding the wheel and then I wasn't holding the wheel anymore. No drugs, no alcohol, no prescription drugs. Like just, stress, yeah. just people pleasing, just 
thinking I could be good and that would be good enough. Mm. I want you to hear me loud and clear. Being good is not good enough. You have to be wise. You have to be discerning. You have to be smart. You have to be able to sort through this person that is safe for me and this person is not safe for me. And in my book, I say we would all be better off if we believe two things. One, there are toxic people. And two, I know them. If we can get past that. We're so far. It's one of the two. Well, you know, and some people are like, I'm totally a toxic person. Proof. I don't let anybody in my life. And it's like, yeah, you have no friends. Like you have no, that's that's also bad. (laughs) It's terrible. Or, or I'm not in a toxic marriage. So Mm. I don't have to worry about this. And it's Mm. like, when you look at the child abuse statistics, the people who are abusing children, are the people you know, not strangers. Mm-hmm. We worry so much about stranger danger and then completely have our guard down with the people we let in our kids' lives. Um, you know, most rape situations are people we know. It's date rape. Overwhelming. It's rape. Or it's a toxic boss or it's a toxic coworker or it's, or, you know, I said like coaches, like oh, athletes. Coaches, uh, toxic religious communities, or people putting up with terrible enabling behaviors for teens mm-hmm. or young adults. Oh, yes. They make these horrible excuses like, oh, no, he's a good boy. No, he's not. Right. He's right. not a good boy. My favorite yeah. thing that I hear people say about their partners when we do the work is, um, but they're really a good person. And I say, are they? Are yeah. they? Do good mm-hmm. people put their hands on their partners? Yeah. Do good people hurt you to get what they want? And mm-hmm. when, because I know that they know the answer to that question. And so mm-hmm. then they go, well, well. Critical thinking about their own life. Do you right. see? Yeah. And it's such, it's such a misalignment um, mm-hmm. because they know, and that's why your body shuts you down. Right. We were talking about this right before we recorded, like you weren't listening. You weren't listening. Yeah. Your body, there was probably such a long period of stress. And it, I mean, what were you experiencing before your body shut you down? So. My hair falling out, lockjaw. Um, I remember uh taking a like I didn't have like a prescription drug issue, but I remember taking like a pain pill from a surgery that I'd had just so that my muscles could relax at one point. Because I was like this, like you're bracing because you're in I was oh yeah, bracing for danger, uh not digesting my food. I was losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, brain fog, confusion. Um, just living fight and flight for forever and, and denying what I was seeing. And and that's what's happened. It's like, what happens is there's like 5% good and 95% terrible. And it's like, oh, but the 5% good is who this person really is. Mm -hmm. Which is terrible. And here's the secret. Here's the secret. In many ways, we want it to be our fault. When the toxic person blame shifts and says, if you would mm-hmm. this, I would this. Gaslighting. If you would be so needy or sensitive or demanding or whatever. Whatever it is, yeah. yeah. Then we'll have the relationship you want. Then you'll have the happiness you want. Then you'll have whatever you want, okay? And secretly, I talk in my book about being smart girl syndrome. Okay. Smart girl syndrome says I have never met a problem I couldn't solve. Right. So I can 
solve this problem too. With enough hard work and effort, I can solve this relationship too. That's enforced by our religious communities. That's enforced by our friends. That's enforced by marriage counselors. Just do a little more work, Sarah. If you worked harder, you could fix it. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about what they're doing. Don't worry about what these other people are doing. Right. You just be the best you can be. Right. Okay. And okay. it's harder too because it, it feels like they give you a roadmap. Yeah. And they don't. And so the love bombing that happens early, and this is this is another thing I'm sure you see, like when the first time that they do it, you don't mm-hmm. see someone abusing. You see the person that you love in pain. And then the second time it's you, they, they're in pain because they cry afterwards and they apologize and they're just so angry and so hurt people overwhelmed. People. Yeah. Hurt people, hurt people. Oh, they just love, my love. I can love them enough. They'll change for me. Yes. Yeah. I love them enough. And so yes. it's this whole like mind F. Yes. 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 And if, if it's up to me, if I can figure out the right thing to do and figure out the right work to do, and then I can fix it and I don't have to blow up my life. And then it's my fault when it doesn't work out because I didn't fix it. And people so, love a carrot, right? So if you just move the goalpost, we'll keep running forever. Yeah. Yes. I have an article on that. that says the love language of a narcissist is that the finish line is always moving. You're like that, in the brain. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. But that is, that is their love language. It's like, but he loves me. Yes. And what that means is you will never get it right. When he says he loves you and he says, you need to love me. What that means is I all, the goal, the goal line is always moving. You're always running. How, how you show love to a narcissist is that you're always running and exhausted. That is like giving up your life. Yeah. That is the love language. Mm -hmm. So when you say he loves me, that's, that's what, that to right. you love means connection. It means right. affection. It means right. this. It means they want to watch you run until you, you It fall. means they want to kill you. No, literally yeah. they want you to die. Like, and it's such a power trip too, because a lot of times partners like that don't go for super, super meek. Like they'll often go for a person they want to break. It's a power trip for them to break. They'll go after, you know, quote unquote, strong, baddie That's women true. because it's an ego trip. Well, okay. And okay. If you, I was a piano major. Okay. So when I started playing piano, I was like a twinkle, twinkle little star. Right. <laughs> and now I can play a Beethoven sonata, a Debussy, you know, Chopin nocturne. Like I'm, I'm, I worked at piano. Right. And now I'm very good at it. Okay. Some people work at soccer and they're good. Some people work at um, a business strategy and they're good. Some people work at communication. They work at calculus. They work at losing people. (laughs) So yeah, that's a a good point too. Uh, But the, when you work and you're in high school and you're not good at calculus and then you work harder and you get the A and there's a payoff and you bring that version of you that has been able to create success in other areas of your life through work. Mm. When you apply it to your relationships, mm. that's what they're looking for. Someone willing to do the work. And then you go to a most therapists and they're going to say it's codependency. Mm. But these are skills I want to my daughter to work at things and get better. Right. 
it's it's only a bad idea in this one situation. Right. Which is, which is why I think Instagram therapy and like pop culture therapy is just talk. It's toxic because it teaches women, Oh, you're codependent. Are you, are you in a relationship with an abuser? Yeah. Because yeah, no shit. You're codependent. You're focused on safety. And the safest thing is the codependent thing because you're literally going to die if you don't follow their rules. Like that is a very real scenario. So So a lot of, oh my gosh, this has been phenomenal. I want to leave people as well when they're like, oh my God, I'm in this episode and I don't like it. Um, What are some like areas? What are, I call them themes that like Mm -hmm. you see women when they start working on it, they get some traction and it really makes an impact. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, definitely like two pieces of paper. Mm -hmm. what he says is my fault, what really happened. And it's, it's anything within those critical thinking skills and use two pieces of paper. What the the difference is taking your mind from spaghetti. Okay. So everything is connected, interwoven. If I leave, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, if I do, okay. And turning it into what I call waffles. Okay. Oh my God. I literally had a client made that exact same analogy. Yeah, that is insane. Well, That's when, insane. You, when you stick your fork in spaghetti, it's messy, it's drippy, it's a mess, right? Okay, when you can cut off a waffle square, you can get momentum, okay? And so it's two pieces. One, like I call it solving a waffle problem versus a spaghetti problem. Yeah, so that one it. piece of it. And then- getting your brain to feel like it's in waffles. This is my fault. This is not my fault. This is what he said. This is what actually happened. This is um, how many days I was miserable last month, like turning it into concrete data rather than swirly feelings. And being radically honest about what is happening. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. What oh, is absolutely. Happening? absolutely. And that letter to your best friend can really help that because like, okay, if this was happening to someone else, there's no way I would be okay with it. Yeah. But if it's happening to me, I am okay with it because I don't, you know, I don't what's going on. Yeah. Is that I don't deserve better. Is it, I'm just used to it. And usually people assume it's a self-esteem thing. And I think it's just that um, critical thinking. You're not critically thinking about your own life. And we certainly weren't taught to. Right. And I think it's kind of married with like self-discipline, right? Because all of these things are a practice. You're not going to feel like confronting the discrepancy between what's happening and what you say is happening. You're not going to feel like setting a boundary because you're terrified and you feel guilty. And Mm -hmm. that's why the discipline is so important because you have to do these things, no matter how you feel, you have to walk away and keep walking, no matter how many times you want to turn back. And yeah. So it's really being able to assess like what the hell is wrong? What is wrong? And then let's be honest about it. And I really, I agree. I think this is why you need a therapist, a coach, someone to walk you through it. Who's also not going to blame you because a lot of therapists will, I have a client who was did marriage counseling with someone in town and they said, well, if you were a better Christian, your marriage would be working. That person didn't return to therapy for nine years, nine years. They suffered. Now they got out of that marriage, but nine years they suffered because that therapist is garbage. 
And so also critically thinking about who you are going to work with. Does this person share my values? Do I feel empowered? Well, there's an assumption that every therapist is a toxic relationship specialist. And that is so far from the truth. Right. And some therapists are toxic. They like the power trip. Yes, they have. um, There's a, I think what I've heard from therapists is there's usually like in all their training, one class on abusive behavior. Oh yeah. One. Yeah. Right. And think about the people who normally go into therapy. They're the people who just want to be good, want to be supportive, wanting to be kind. It's never the narcissist. They're not going. So they don't do anything wrong. Well, they, those therapists aren't wanting to search for evil either. They're just wanting to like hold space for you. Right. Right. And coaches are the bane of one of my hatreds. Like, oh, it's, it's baffling, you know, and maybe you do different things at different stages. Um, But I love that you introduced someone to like, I said, in my group, I, I run the Facebook group, finding love and success after a toxic relationship. And I say, there are lots of people who will pat you on the back. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're beautiful. Oh, you're worth it. And that's great. That's not what I do. I will pat you on the butt. Come right. on now. Get- What's next for you? What's next for you? And you brought up a really good point about when you're running from the bear, you're not thinking about your career. Okay. And you're not thinking about success. And so much of what I do is getting people because I, Heard from me, a lady yesterday, an accountant, and she says she's been working with me. Um, she's increased her business by thirty five percent. Holy crap! And you're not even—I'm not a business, right? Right, right. Except I, I kind of am sometimes. But it's like, oh, I got a promotion. Oh, I got a raise. Uh-huh. Oh, I got this. Oh, I got that. Okay, here's the secret: get high performing women to start thinking in their creative space instead of in survival mode again. Well, dang, no wonder they're making more money. Right. Once you're out of survival mode, you quite literally have the energy to live your life. Yes. And and start solving problems that have solutions. When you're trying to solve toxic person problems, you might as well just beat your head against the wall. I tell everyone to teach my cows to sing opera. Yeah. I'm like, please go teach my cows to sing opera. They're like, that's impossible. And I'm like, as long as you're starting, they get it. (laughs) Right. It's very you know, it's very difficult. I, you know, I, I have compassion for how like, but this is like the father of my kids, but this is my mother, but this is, I've been at this company for 20 years. Like I get, I, I get the emotional resistance, oh, yeah. right. but what you ask about things to kind of help you. And it's like, okay, so you have 10 years of data mm-hmm. that says you're miserable with this person. Mm-hmm. You have no data that says you're not miserable with this person. Right. But you're choosing Mm-hmm. It's Don't not lie to yourself. Yeah, well, and it's not like because you think, oh, it's my comfort zone. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Ten years of data that says you are not comfortable in the situation that your body's shutting down, that they are not going to change, that they are always going to blame you for everything. That you're like you have ten years of data right. that tells you this is not a people like oh, it's a really difficult decision, and it is because of the emotional resistance. Right. It's not because of the data. Right. You're telling yourself, say. I have 10 years of data that says if I do this for 10 more years, I'm going to be miserable. That is true. I also have a lot of emotional resistance and fear about the unknown. Okay. That is true. If you can say that, like, holy moly, like you were like, whoa, like you just like, 
yeah. into like now this whole walking itself. And that's a woeful thing, right? Yeah. Okay. So then my problem to solve, my waffle problem to solve is the emotional resistance of my fear, not whether or not I can make this make this be right. happy. Right. Whatever. You already, that's one example, and you already start solving better problems. Yeah. And your energy is put towards things that are actually helpful. Um, and actionable, things that are actionable, right? So um, I call it abstract problems. Am I going to, am I, am I, will I have, why, why, why? Abstract. Okay. Why do they treat me like this? Blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. You already know. You already know. People like they the hate you. Well, they treat you like this because this is how they treat people they are with. And because you allow it. Yeah. And because this is how they love. Right. Remember the line? Well, they, I don't think they love. No, I, mean, I don't. I, I don't like to. Love no, no, no. But what, you know, but he loves me. How they get what they want. Yeah, for sure. This is how, um, this is what love means to them. So it's not like love in the way. Yeah, right. But, but when he says he loves you, this is like the definition right. of that. For, yeah. For and them. I think it's really important that you remove the person saying, well, I want to be with them. I want to be with them. I want to be with them from, is this even the relationship that you want? Because if mm-hmm. it's not the relationship, like structurally that you want, what exactly are we fighting for this person? Let's be honest about their ability or want to change. Can someone do the work? Sure. Um, do they want to? Not a, uh, obviously no, because they're not doing it. So if someone and- isn't investing, they're not invested. And a lot of people just, wish they would be right. But that, then it's where you say they move the goalpost where, but if I do one more thing, they'll do it. Yeah. And yeah. it's, and here's an important point. People are like, Oh, you know, I'm just going to take him to therapy. You know, it's going to be a lot of work. It's like, mm, okay. They ain't coming. <laughs> treat, well, if they come, okay. Yeah. Do they know how to treat you in front of their boss? Like if it's a toxic marriage, are they going to call you a bitch, knock your glass out of your hand, right. manipulate you and cut you down in front of their boss? Probably not. Okay. That means they know how to treat you. Mm-hmm. They already know. It's not all this work. Oh, they just need to learn how to treat people. No, no, no. They, if they're not going to call you a bitch in front of their pastor, in front of their sin, in the synagogue, they already know how to treat you. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to treat you that way. Right. And they'll and say, oh, if they only understood how they hurt me. And I'm like, no, they understand. They don't care. Right. Yes, and, and a really good point in boundaries. Okay, you have three pigs. Okay, pig, straw pig, you straw house pig. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, um, stick house pig, mm-hmm. brick house pig. Three little pigs. They all had boundaries. None of them changed the big bad wolf. Mm. Okay, because I think that's something we get wrong in the healing conversation too. Well, if you stood up to him. He would treat you better. No. Okay. Better boundaries are for protecting pigs, not for changing bulls. <laughs> that is a great analogy. Right. And I, I, I get very frustrated because you see women. Okay. Well, now I'm going to stand up for myself and just creates chaos like, and danger, danger, storms, chaos. And it's like, wow, hold on, hold on. Right. This is not, I know you're, you're, great cousin said, if you stood up for yourself, they wouldn't treat you like that. No, no, no. This is how they love. 
love quotation marks this is how they treat people this is what love means to them this is who they are Mm -hmm. it is a personality disorder this is their personality right their bad day right this is who they are believe it believe it oh that's a good one Oh my gosh. Yes. All these things are like, uh, like screaming internally, but I don't want to scream on the podcast. Cause then they'll be like, why are you screaming in my brain? Um, so someone is like, um, Sarah literally just put so much truth in my ears, uh, and they want to work with you, which, oh my God. Yes. How do they find oh, you? want to work with me. If you want to get your thinking straight, make more money and heal your relationship with your kids. Like that's the only reason they should come work with me. <laughs> if you want to be happier. No, no, I'm kidding. But, but that really is. And it's a very simple formula of taking the world's best women and giving them back themselves, right? It's, it's quite easy. It, it, I believe that you're good, kind, loving, giving, forgiving, you know, and let's transform that to work for you. It's wonderful. Than- yeah, just not yeah. for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I run the Wondrous Woman program. You can find more about it at Sarah K. Ramsey under programs. Um, and that that is really what I do. You know, it is really creating wondrous women. It's not just like, well, how do I get over him? How do I stop love addiction? How do I stop codependency? It's like, how do you how do you design this life you're excited about living? How do you wake up with joy? How do you like who you are? How do you live in integrity and show your children the life they should have rather than just like there was this girl and she was like super scared to work with me and blah, 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 blah. she didn't, do, you know, whatever. And I felt really compassionate towards her. There's actually several times that I reached out like her after that. Okay. She did not choose herself a year after I had talked to her. She posted something on Facebook and said, I hope my daughter is stronger than me. I hope she doesn't make the same mistakes I do. I hope that she learns to be better. I it is sad, but it pissed me off. Yeah. She says that her daughter's like two. Her daughter's like two. Got time. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. Give your daughter a path that you don't show her where to step. Right. She's How teaching her to fail. Yeah. How? Yeah. It's like. Yeah. If you want your daughter to be stronger, you have to show her the way. If you want your daughter to have a healthy relationship, you have to have one. If you want her to have a healthy relationship with herself and your or, or whatever. And, yeah. And I've got a little boy who I love, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, I, I'm my daughter's example. Yeah, for both. But uh, toxic female relationships are absolutely mm-hmm. as terrible as, as toxic. Well, and that's such a cop out to say, well, I'm just not strong enough. Oh no. Nobody and is at first. Is better. How dare we throw our children under the bus like that? Yeah. How dare we throw like I, you know, I my biggest pet peeve is people who say, I'm great at giving advice, just not taking it. And it's like, oh, so you're good at lying. So you don't give a shit about your life. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you're lying. You have you no know, self-discipline or integrity. Got it. Exactly. Yes. If you came into my life and here I am talking about healthy relationships and you came to visit me and you walked in my house and my husband was screaming at me and throwing things at me. I hope your view of me would change. I hope you would say, whoa, something is not in integrity here. There is some, of course, of course we don't agree on everything and all that kind of stuff. You know, but obviously there's some misalignment. It's like, oh, here's how to have healthy relationships. But my own is toxic. Mm -hmm. 
if I was on, you know, if I said that and it was like, you should come work with me. I'm really good at teaching you how to have healthy relationships. Now I don't have any, right? but I, you have like, people would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But that's exactly when we say I'm great at giving advice, just not taking it. That's what we're saying is like, I am strong enough to (laughs) avoid the Oreos every night, but I'm going to give you nutrition advice. It's real easy to say, don't eat the Oreos. My husband should call some. Actually, I think we need to have like a a moment. Brought Oreos home, but he brought the Oreo thins, which are like nasty. Like if he brought the double stuff, that might double stuff are legit. I dip them in white chocolate. Oh yeah, well, he brought thins, so maybe I can forgive him for this. But this but you're super right. And, and following your own advice is a discipline. You're not always mm-hmm. going to feel like it, mm-hmm. but then, okay, your life doesn't belong to you. And so live with that consequence. Like mm-hmm. that's your choice, right? I tell everyone I work with, like, I don't care what you do out of sessions with me. I don't mm-hmm. care because my life is good. Yeah. I do what I teach people. What I'm like, oh, Hey, it, they're like, oh, I need to think. It's like, you need to think about whether or not you want your life to get better. Right. Cool. All right. Cool. Call me when you're more like, I've literally told people, call me when you're more miserable. Oh, I know. You're I know. I mean, it's been a year and that's, that's the growth she's made in a year is saying she hopes her daughter's life is better than her. Right. And that my other, my other ladies who just chose to work with me are getting raises and getting engaged and healing their relationship with their kids. It's like, have at it. Yeah. How about it? You do, How you? Yeah. you do you. You do you. I'll do me. Right. And at the end of the day, like I'm good because I do what I teach. And so when you yeah. choose a coach, you also want them to walk their talk. Like they better. And it's fair to ask those questions. Oh my you know? God. Yeah. You have a finance coach who's got $20,000 of credit card debt. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And it, it's a problem. It's like, oh, I'm great at giving financial advice. But yeah, I run up my credit cards every month. It's like, what? Bye. It's <laughs> terrible. You know, and yeah. I'm great at giving my friends advice, but I don't take any of it. I just need to take my own advice. So you're a liar. Right. Hold, you're your, so right. hold yourself to that integrity. And that's what I say all the time. It's like, my life is not perfect, but I'm going to be honest mm-hmm. either way on it. And I want to say very, very clearly, right. I have done everything in my life I can to be toxic person proof. Absolutely. A hundred percent getting the right people in, getting the wrong people out and holding myself to that integrity. And it's so much easier. Like a lot of people think the work is so hard and I'm like, dude, what you're doing, you hate your yes. life 24 seven. Like that shit is hard. Yes. Yes. So tell us one more time where people can find you. Um, there is an website. Yeah. So sarahkramsey.com. You can grab my book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof. Uh, my um, podcast is called Toxic Person Proof. Amanda and I did an incredible uh, podcast on confidence. We had, this is our second great conversation. Uh, yeah. And um, that, that has been really great. And my website, sarahkramsey.com. You can see the programs I run. Um, or join my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship. Are you on Instagram as well? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm on Instagram Live right now. Hi, I need to do a better job with my with my Instagram. Um, I have, it's at Bounce Back. Uh, so yes, you can definitely see me on Instagram, though. It is. It has been the the redheaded stepchild that I have ignored, <laughs> so I can't do better about that. <laughs> 
So what would you like to leave our people with? Like if they listen to nothing else and they're just like, oh my God, yeah, that's great. But they hear this. What do you want them to hear? Look for relationships where people play by the same set of rules. Mm. It's that simple. You get into trauma bonding, abuse, codependency, blah, 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 blah. And my life mission is to give the world a different language to navigate abuse. Okay. We can simplify the language. We can simplify our lives. But when it's really complicated, like, is it abuse? Is it not? Is it trauma bonding? Is it love addiction? Is it blah, blah, blah? Okay. Who's making the rules of the relationship? Is someone always getting the better end of the deal? That is a bad deal for you. That is not okay. Right. And I want you to think we learned at three years old to take turns, maybe before that. Mm-hmm. Years old to take turns. If you were with a 45 year old man who hasn't figured that out yet, that he has been here for 42 years that he should take turns. If he doesn't know, the chances of you changing him are zero or a mom or a sister or whatever else. In a healthy relationship, people take turns. Mm-hmm. So they have the same set of rules. Love that. Oh my God, dude, thank you so much. Like, oh, it's so good. So, okay, everybody be good. Go evaluate. And if something comes up, listen, message Sarah. Get at her on, I mean, literally your Facebook sounds wonderful. Um, check out her programs or like message me and I will hook you up. If you're like, I forgot what it was, like I'm gonna hook you up. Also, it'll be on the show notes. So like you can also just look it up. Um, dude, thank you so much. Thank you, Amanda. It's so great to be here. Bye fam. Right now, I wanted to remind you that I have a really dope membership for people who want to up-level their life. My friend Caitlin Overby and I run it. You get a monthly training on whatever is going to be useful. We have done visualizing your dreams. We had my friend Hannah, who is a wellness chef, come on and walk us through this like really gorgeous pesto, roasted artichoke pesto made from scratch meal. We have done a training on self-massage and we are just getting started. So if you want a community of people who are going to support you to live your best life, head over to livemyhappyhealth.com and check out the best damn life community. All right, let's party.